Well, I can't tell you how excited I am to be here this morning. Anyone else excited? Yes. Come on. Uh, some of you know that my wife and I got a very surprising phone call last Saturday night about a two-year-old girl in Arizona. And um, uh, friends of ours, Michelle, who used to be her mother, passed away a year ago. So Charlie, the, the two-year-old, has been staying with a guardian in Arizona, but this phone call was all about, would you be willing to take her? And so we've been in this kind of waiting season this past week, and um, we cleared the hurdle of both grandparents on Friday. They're both on board. They're both supportive. So we're now working through kind of the legal aspect, the guardianship, and all the paperwork that goes with that. So right after the service today, like right after, like when amen comes, <laughs> I, don't, I love you guys, but I'm going to beeline right out the door because I've got a flight that I've got to get on, and it uh, boards at about 1140. So what I'll do at the end is I will call the board members to come forward. If any of you need prayer, don't be shortchanged just because I'm not going to be here for that. If you need prayer, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today from what you hear, I encourage you to respond. There will be people here to pray for you. There will be people to help you and comfort you through it, well, however the Lord leads today, okay? But I just wanted to tell you, thank you so much for all the love and support that you guys have given my family i know many of you have been praying many of you have stepped up in some way or some capacity to lead or fill in in the gaps as we um, look at life being a little bit different in our family going forward in a good way of course so uh, thank you very much you know last week we talked about the incredible sacrifice that jesus made for you and for me and we saw that this sacrifice was illustrated through the life and the death of the crimson worm. And if, if you didn't hear this message, if you missed that, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that because it's an amazing truth in God's word. It's a gem that's kind of hidden there. And unless you study the Hebrew, you, you kind of miss it. But the life and death of Jesus is seen in the crimson worm because even a little worm declares the glory of God. Jesus died on the cross for each and every one of us. So, our only reasonable response to that is to live for him. It's our only reasonable response. So if you've got your Bibles with you, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 14 and 15 together. These verses represent the theme that we've seen in this entire message series that we've been in for the last several weeks. And it's why we've committed to reading these verses each and every week that we're in this series. And I'm excited to return to this series. We've got today's message, and then next week we'll conclude this series. <clears throat> and it'll be on faithfulness. So I'm excited how God's going to use that and what he's going to do. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. Paul said, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Christ's love is what compels us. It's this love that should compel us to live for him. And it's this love that is full of compassion. That's what we talked about last time that we were together in this series. That was two weeks ago. And we said that compassion is feeling plus action working together to help someone in need. It's when we feel someone else's pain and then we take action to help relieve that pain. And when we show compassion, 
we show Jesus. So to live for him, we have got to show compassion like him. And one of the greatest examples of compassion in action is through the story that Jesus told of the Good Samaritan that is found in Luke chapter 10. An expert in religious law had asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus responded with this story. And we unpacked this story together a couple of weeks ago. And we said that there were three things that we learned that would make us a better neighbor. Number one there is that first, we need to see beyond the surface by looking through Jesus' eyes so that we can see the real need. We have got to allow ourselves to look deep enough into a person's situation to see what Jesus sees. And second, we also need to get close enough to touch the need in people's lives. Compassion is all theory unless we get close enough to touch the need. And third, we need to be willing to pay the price even if it disrupts our schedule, our priorities, our finances, or even our reputation. That's what compassion does. It sees through the eyes of Jesus. It gets close enough to touch the needs in people's lives and is always willing to pay the price. So we never ask, who is my neighbor? We should always ask, how can I be a better neighbor. Let's pray. Father, we invite you here this morning as we talk about your word and how exciting it is to dive into the truth of your word today. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to feel. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to talk all about forgiveness. Forgiveness in its most simple definition is simply when we release or we let go of the wrongs that have been done to us. That's what forgiveness is. It's letting go of those wrongs. And to live for Jesus, we have to forgive like Jesus. And forgiveness, it's not optional. We are required to forgive others no matter what the offense is against us. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, We are to make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Now, forgiveness, it's not easy. It's not easy at all. It's difficult. Our human nature doesn't naturally want to forgive. No, we want others to feel what we feel when we're wronged. Or maybe we want to get even with someone. But as Christ followers, we don't get even, we forgive. As Christ followers, we don't hold grudges, we forgive. Some of you may feel like, there's no way I could forgive. You don't know what this person has done to me. And I would say to you, you're right, I don't know. But I do know this, it doesn't matter what they've done. What matters is what was done for you. That's what matters. It all comes down to this. As Christ followers, we forgive because we have been forgiven. And none of us deserved it. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we know we don't deserve anything except death. And none of us are without sin. The sin in our lives, that is what makes us deserving of death. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift was made available to everyone, including you, including me. 
And it was made available by the love, the grace, and the mercy of God. And we receive this gift by faith when we believe in who Jesus is and what he did for us on the cross for our sins. And it's through this sacrifice that we can receive forgiveness for our sins. But this forgiveness, it came at a great cost to our Savior. And this cost should never be taken for granted. It should also remind us that no one is beyond the reach of God's love, grace, and mercy. Jesus' first words from the cross after being tortured and crucified were recorded in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, as this. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Those were his first words from the cross. Now, as Jesus said this, he looked down from the cross, and this is what he saw. He saw that the Roman soldiers were gambling for his clothing. He saw two criminals that were crucified with him, one on his left, one on his right, and they were ridiculing him. He saw the religious leaders, and they were mocking him. The crowd was shouting insults at him. And Jesus looked down at all of them as he hung there in agony, and he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. No one would have expected him to say this. You could have easily expected a man who's being crucified to yell insults back at those who are mocking him. And yet Jesus offered forgiveness to every person there. He prayed to his Father in heaven to forgive his murderers while they were murdering him. That's true love, grace, and mercy in action. Jesus did not speak one word in his defense. He didn't speak of his own innocence. He didn't complain about his situation. He didn't gossip to anyone. He didn't condemn anyone. He didn't attack those who attacked him. He didn't turn against God. He didn't try to save himself. And he didn't blame anyone, even though there were plenty to blame in this situation. Instead, he prays, which is exactly what was prophesied about him in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 12, which said, He willingly submitted to death and was counted among the rebels, yet he bore the sin of many and he interceded for the rebels. He interceded for the rebels. During his ministry here on this earth, he preached that we are to love our enemies, that we are to pray for those who persecute us. And so here he is. He's on the cross. His body is just wrecked. He is beaten. He is bloodied. And he is whipped so badly that he's not even recognizable as a man. His hands and feet are pierced by nails. And yet there he is on the cross, practicing exactly what he preached by interceding in prayer for his enemies and offering them forgiveness. This is the epitome of love, grace, and mercy. He forgives what many of us would say is unforgivable. We would say it's unforgivable because there is no one who is beyond the reach of God's grace. God's grace is is sufficient for everyone. Jesus' death on the cross offers forgiveness and salvation for every single sinner. If Jesus can forgive us, then why do we often make it so difficult for us to forgive others? That's the question today. 
If he can forgive us, why do we make it so difficult for us to forgive others? As Christ followers, forgiveness is not optional. You can put that in your blank if you're taking notes. It is not optional. We are required to forgive others no matter what the offense is against us. So to truly live for Jesus, we have to forgive like Jesus. And to forgive like Jesus, we must understand two very important principles. There is something that we're going to have to give up, and there's something we're going to have to remember. So let's jump in and unpack both of these principles together. Number one, there is something we must give up. And that something is this. We must give up trying to make people understand how much they hurt us. We've got to give that up. This very well could be the thing that creates the greatest obstacle to forgiveness. Many people who have been hurt by someone will say or they'll think something like this. I'd be willing to forgive if they only knew how much they hurt me. But as long as we hold on to this kind of thinking, we will more than likely never forgive. Because as long as we hold on to this, we will always have an excuse to be bitter about it and blame the person who hurt us. If only they could really see how badly they hurt me. If only they could feel what I felt. If only they knew what this has done to me. If only they realized how wrong they were. And this if only kind of thinking, it can go on forever because it will never satisfy. But if we're going to forgive, we have to give all that up. We've got to give all that up. And until we do, unforgiveness will have a grip on us. And that unforgiveness will soon turn to bitterness. And as long as we are bitter, we're going to be shackled to our past. Because unforgiveness creates an emotional prison for us. That's what's going on. It's like we're putting ourselves in a prison. And I love what Lewis B. Smead said in his book, Forgive and Forget. He said, when you release the wrongdoer from the wrong, you cut a malignant tumor out of your inner life. You set a prisoner free, but you discover that the real prisoner was yourself. We will never be set free unless we release the person who wronged us from the burden of understanding all that they did to us. And here's the truth. You don't know what they did to you. Excuse me. They don't know what they did to you. That's the truth. They don't know what they did to you. And I know you can sit there and think to yourself, all kinds of objections to that statement. Yes, they do know. That person knew exactly what they were doing, and yet they did it anyway. When that person said what they said about me, they knew what they were doing. When that person hurt me physically, they knew what they were doing. When that person cheated on me, they knew what they were doing. When that person lied to me, they knew exactly what they were doing. But I want you to really think about these words right here. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. I'd like for you to turn back to Luke chapter 23, verse 34 in your Bible. I'd like for you to underline that word, what. Or you can circle it, highlight it, whatever you need to do. That's the key word right there. The key is not the fact that they do not know. The key is what. They do not know what they do. They know they're killing a man named Jesus, but they have no idea who he really is. They don't understand his true identity. So yes, they're guilty of killing a man, but they are guilty of so much more than they even know. 
They are guilty of killing an innocent man. They are guilty of killing the Son of God. You see, when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do, he was really saying this, Father, forgive them, because they need forgiveness more than they even know. They are in desperate need of forgiveness, and they have no idea that they even need it. Many times, we won't forgive because the person who hurt us, we want them to feel what we feel. We want them to hurt like we hurt. We want them to suffer like we suffered. But you know what? That will never work. It will never work. If we try to wait for the person who hurt us to truly understand what they did to us and how we felt, we will more than likely be waiting for the rest of eternity. And us withholding forgiveness will never help them understand. They will never be able to get inside your head. They'll never be able to get inside your body and think or feel what you thought or what you felt. They will never be able to feel your pain as you felt it. And if you use your pain as the cost for forgiveness, no one will be able to pay that price. No one will be able to pay that. We don't forgive because the person understands how bad they hurt us. We don't forgive because they suffered as much as we suffered. We don't forgive because they deserve forgiveness. No, we forgive because God is the God of grace and he forgives. We forgive because of what Jesus did on the cross. We forgive because what Jesus did for each and every one of us. And none of us deserved it. Because in reality, you and I are just as guilty as those who were standing in the crowd that day when Jesus was crucified. He paid the debt that was owed for all of sin, for all people, and for all time. And not one person, no one from the past, no one from the present, and no one from the future was, is, or will ever be deserving of it. And yet Jesus gave up his life anyway. You and I have to give up thinking that someone who hurt us should deserve it before we forgive them. The truth is, none of us will ever deserve it. It's an impossible expectation. So to truly live for Jesus, we have to forgive like Jesus. And that first principle that we must understand is that there is something that we've got to give up. And that something is that we must give up trying to make people understand how much they hurt us. And the second principle is this. There is something we must remember. There is something we must remember. We must remember that God forgave us when we did not deserve it. This is where Jesus' words become incredibly personal. Because you and I were included in the prayer from the cross. When he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Who was included in the word them? The soldiers? The crowds? The disciples? Pilate? The religious leaders? But that's not everyone. You were included in the word them. I was included in the word them. Jesus was not just praying for everyone present at his crucifixion. He was praying for you and for me and for everyone all throughout time. He was praying for every sinner. And you may be feeling something within you telling you, no, I'm not like those other people. I'm different from them. I'm not that bad. I wouldn't crucify someone. 
I'm a good person. And herein lies the reality of why most of us are unwilling to forgive because we think we are better than they are. We think we are better than they are. We think, no, I'd never hurt someone like that. I'd never treat them that way. And then we'll get angry and defensive about it because we think we would never do that to another person. But how foolish it is for us to think like this. Pride is often what clouds our judgment when it comes to forgiving someone. Because pride blinds us from the truth. And the truth is, we don't deserve forgiveness any more than the person who hurt us does. So to live for Jesus, we have to forgive like Jesus. And that means we must forgive those who have hurt us, no matter how deep that hurt goes. Now, I'm not at all trying to make all this sound easy. I'm not trying to say, just forgive, man, get over it. That's not what I'm saying. No, forgiveness is not easy, but we do need to understand this. To forgive us, it costs Jesus his life. And for us to forgive others, it's going to cost us something too. We'll have to swallow our pride. We'll have to turn away from our anger. We'll have to get over our bitterness. We'll have to overcome our worry. We have to let go of everything that tells us that this person must deserve it before we can forgive them. But this isn't something that we've got to do alone. We don't have to do this by ourselves. The Holy Spirit is waiting for you to ask Him for the help you need. Some of you may be carrying some incredibly deep wounds over your past from what someone said or they did to you, and you've still not fully forgiven that person. Maybe that's you today. You've not fully forgiven them. It could be that you were attacked in some way, whether it was verbal or whether it was physical. Maybe you were abused. Maybe you were humiliated in some way. And maybe it wasn't something that just happened once. Maybe it happened repeatedly. So to protect yourself, you've built this wall. And you've built this wall to keep out the pain. But this wall that you've built isn't really helping you. It's only hurting you. It's hurting you further because it's keeping you from the Holy Spirit who wants to help you. You may be telling yourself, well, I'm justified in feeling what I feel because they did me wrong. I'm not trying to minimize in any way what that person did or said to you to hurt you. But I do want you to know that as long as you keep those feelings of unforgiveness locked in your heart behind that wall, you will never be free. It doesn't have anything to do with the person who hurt you. Those feelings are not locked there in your heart because that person who hurt you has the key. No, those feelings are locked there in your heart because you've locked it from the inside. It's not locked from the outside. It's locked from the inside, and you have the key. You are the only one who can open that door. I can't open it for you. God's not going to open it unless you invite him in to open it. And as long as you keep this door locked, you will continue to harbor feelings of revenge and anger and bitterness and ultimately unforgiveness. Listen, nothing good comes from withholding forgiveness. Nothing. To think otherwise is simply a lie from hell. It takes courage to ask the Holy Spirit to help and it takes courage to ultimately forgive. No matter how painful it is, 
around offering forgiveness and how much that may appear to you, it is infinitely better than refusing to forgive. And we can find courage to take that giant step of forgiveness if we will remember what Jesus said. He said, Father, forgive them. And he was talking about all of us. As Christ followers, forgiveness is not optional. We are required to forgive others no matter what the offense is against us. So to truly live for Jesus, we have to forgive like Jesus. And to forgive like Jesus, we must understand two very important principles. First, there is something we must give up. And that something is that we must give up trying to make people understand how bad they hurt us. And second, there is something we must remember. We must remember that God forgave us when we did not deserve it. So we forgive because we have been forgiven. Do you have any unforgiveness in your heart today? Because if you do, this would be the day to make it right before the Lord. If God did not withhold his forgiveness from you, then why should you withhold forgiveness from someone else? Let's pray. God, you are a mighty God. And forgiveness is hard. It certainly wasn't easy for your son, your innocent son, the perfect Lamb of God, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God who went to the cross for each and every one of our sins. And he paid the debt that you and I could never, ever, ever repay. We thank you, Lord, for that. That is something we have got to remember. And so I pray today, Lord, if there's someone here who's struggling with unforgiveness in their heart because of what someone said or what someone did to them, I pray, Lord God, that you would comfort them. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come in and fill them with your presence, Lord, and that they would choose to let go of that, to let go of all of the bitterness, all of the anger, all of the frustration. Lord God, I pray that you'd help them to let go of that, to recognize that your burden is light, right? Your yoke is easy, your burden is light, and that your word reminds us that we're to cast all of our cares upon you because you care for us. And so, Lord, today, I pray that that baggage that people are carrying around unforgiveness would be thrust upon you today, and they would walk out of here free, and they would walk out of here feeling light again. Jesus, move in their hearts. Move in our hearts that all of us who's holding on to it, whether it's something subconscious or conscious that we're aware of, let us know what that is, Lord. Search our hearts and know us, Father, that we may make whatever's wrong inside of us right before you. I pray today if there's someone here who maybe has never chosen to put their trust fully in Christ as their Savior, that today that would be the, today would be the day that they do that, that they make that decision. Thank you, Father, that you love us so much that you gave your son for us as the perfect example for each of us. And we are to forgive because you forgave us. And so we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So if you're here and you feel like the Holy Spirit is prompting you to make something right that you've been carrying for a long time around forgiveness, this would be the time. I'm going to ask for the board members to come forward. And they'll be up front if you need prayer of any kind, I want you to come forward and they will pray with you. They will help you. We're supposed to shoulder each other's burdens. That's what it's about, living this. We're a family, y'all. Y'all get that? We're a family, so we go through what's good, what's bad together. And so I want to encourage you, don't leave here holding on to any of that. 
Amen? Amen. Thank you guys so much. God bless you. You guys have a great week. Be praying for me as I travel. And hopefully when we come back, we'll be plus one. All right? (laughs) Praise the Lord.